Okay, Jake said. Here's what we know. Or at least, what we think we know. We were all at Rachel's house again. It was a few hours after I had gone to see Marco. Tobias was perched on the windowsill. He didn't feel all that comfortable being inside for long. He liked to feel the wind and the open air. First, we believe that somehow a surviving Andalite, or maybe more than one Andalite, is trapped out in the ocean. Hopefully Andalites can hold their breath for a really long time, Marco joked. Second, Cassie believes she can find this Andalite, thanks to the information from the whale. Everyone kept a straight face for about ten seconds. Then, all at once, everyone cracked up. Information from a whale, Marco repeated, giggling. Have our lives gotten really weird, or is it just me? Tobias asked. Weird? Weird? Marco crowed. The talking bird wants to know if getting information on the location of an alien from a whale that you've just saved from sharks by turning into dolphins. You're suggesting that's weird? Jake smiled. Well, stay tuned. It gets weirder. Cassie and I have been going over maps. She says the location we're looking for is pretty far out to sea. Too far for us to swim and still have any time left of our two-hour time limit. Well, that's the ball game, isn't it? Marco asked. Jake nodded at Rachel. I was talking to Rachel earlier, and she has an idea. Rachel stood up. She had been lounging on the bed. We hop a ride on a ship. First we morph into something like a seagull. Marco groaned. I hate plans that begin with the words, first we morph. We morph into seagulls, I said, picking up the plan we'd work out. Then we fly out into the shipping channel. We land on a tanker or a container ship, or something that's going the right direction. We morph back to human, rest up, let the ship get us closer, then jump over the side, morph to dolphin, and go the rest of the way. Oh, well, when you put it that way, it sounds so easy, Marco sneered. How about if we just walk over to Chapman's house and tell him to call Visser 3 to finish us off? It's so much easier, and the results will be the same. Jake sighed. It's dangerous and risky, and there are about a hundred things that could go wrong. Plus, as Marco has told us, we have reason to think that the controllers will be out there, searching for the same thing we're searching for. This idea just gets better and better, Marco said. Let's put it to a vote, Jake suggested. I'm in, Marco said instantly. A split second behind him, Rachel said her usual, I'm in. Everyone stared open-mouthed at Marco. Just once, I wanted to beat Rachel to it, he explained. Tobias? Jake asked. I don't think I should vote. I have to sit this one out. I can't stay up that long with nowhere to sit down. Sorry. You had the dream, just like Cassie, Jake pointed out. Do you think we should do this or not? Tobias fixed his fierce glare on me. Yes, Cassie and I both had the dreams. I think they're real. Okay, looks like we go, Jake said briskly. Tomorrow, first thing in the morning. We can't wait any longer. 
The longer we hold off, the greater the chance the Yurks will beat us to it. We left Rachel's house. Marco split off in one direction. Tobias flew off to some unknown destination. Jake and I walked together for a while, even though it was out of his way. I think Tobias is feeling kind of left out, I said. You should talk to him later. Remind him of how many times he's helped us out. That's a good idea, Jake agreed. We walked a little farther in silence. It's one of the nice things about the relationship Jake and I have. We can be quiet together and feel okay about it. This is really dangerous, isn't it? I asked him. He nodded. Suddenly, I stopped walking. I don't know why, but I had this need to tell him something. I took his hand and held it between both of mine. Jake? I said. Yes? It was on the tip of my tongue, but then it seemed ridiculous to say it. So instead, I said, Look, don't ever get hurt, okay? He smiled that smile. Me? I'm indestructible. The way he said it, I almost believed him. But then, as he went his way and I headed toward home, I glanced up at the sky. Against the blaze of sunset, I saw a flash of russet tail feathers. Tobias, our friend who had been trapped forever in a body not his own, none of us were indestructible. Chapter 15 Hey, have a sandwich. It's salami. Look over there. Is that a jujube? Pizza. Pizza. Part of the crust and it's one of those stuffed crusts. Fortunately, one thing we always have plenty of in the Wildlife Rehabilitation Clinic, also known as my barn, is seagulls. Then, the four of us, with Tobias watching from the high rafters, morphed into the new bodies. I have been a bird before, an osprey to be exact, one of the types of hawk. But gulls are different in some ways. For one thing, they are scavengers, not predators. So as we took wing and flew in a rush of white from the open hayloft, I noticed different things, felt different things. My seagull mind was not searching for mice or scurrying animals. It was much more open-minded. My seagull intelligence was looking for anything, anything, that could even possibly be food. Fortunately, the gull brains were close enough to the other bird brains we'd experienced that it was fairly easy to control them. We didn't waste a lot of time getting started. Although, once we did get started, everyone was constantly pointing out food. Hey look, french fries on the ground. Whoa, that's half a three musketeers bar by the car. Ooh, 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 look at the dumpster behind the McDonald's. Sometimes you just have to accept the animal's basic mindset and go with it. There's the beach, Jake said as we flapped and soared and flapped some more. It's easier being an osprey in some ways, much less flapping. Once we were out over the water, we could at least stop scanning for food, mostly. Hey, is that a bag of potato chips floating down there? We flew low, just a few dozen feet above the water, not like hawks who can ride the thermos up to the bellies of the clouds. But Tobias wasn't much higher than we were now. There are no thermos over the water, and he was having to flap a lot to stay aloft. We flew on, skimming the choppy surface of the water. Hey look, Rachel said, over on the left. Sleek gray shapes sliced through the water, up, down, up, down, breaking the silvery barrier between sky and sea. It was a school of dolphins. You know, sometimes it's just so wonderful, Rachel said. 
I mean, we're flying. We're flying. And later, we'll be like them, at home in the water. Yeah, just us and the sharks, Marco said darkly. Still, it's cool, Rachel said. There's the ship up ahead, Jake announced. You just now noticed it? Tobias laughed. Wow, seagull eyes aren't exactly great, are they? It's a container ship called Numar. It's from Monrovia. You want to know what color the captain's hair is? Show off, Jake grumbled. Hawkeyes are totally amazing. As long as it's sunny out, Tobias can read a book from like three blocks away. It was hard flying to catch up to the ship. It was moving fairly fast, and by the time we were close, I was exhausted. The ship was gigantic, painted a rusty blue, with a deck larger than a football field. The superstructure was all crammed toward the back. That's where the crew would be, so we flew forward, hoping to find some place private. The deck was stacked with containers, big steel boxes like trailers. Row after row of them lined the deck, and we could see hundreds more down in the hold. We settled in a narrow space between two rows of containers, far forward. It was like having walls all around us. Corrugated metal walls that went high over our heads. Tobias, how much time? Jake asked. Tobias twisted his head down to see the tiny watch strapped to his talon. It's been about an hour and a half. We decided to resume our human shapes. The space between the rows of containers was even narrower when we were fully human again. Brr, it's chilly out here, I said. The steel deck was cold beneath my bare feet, and even though the sun was high in the sky, we were in shadow. Man, I swear this is the worst thing about morphing, Marco said. Can someone please figure out how to morph shoes and maybe a sweater? Come on, Cassie, you're the morphing genius. I'm sick of these morphing outfits. But you look so cute in spandex, Rachel teased him. Plus, they aren't exactly fashionable. All I'm saying is, uniforms. Something cool looking. And warm. Warm would be nice. When winter comes, we're going to be some sad little anamorphs. I have a more important question, Rachel said. How do we know when we're there? You know, our destination. Jake made a who-knows face. I figure the ship is going like, what, 20 miles per hour? Figure an hour, and that puts us 20 miles out, right? Rachel pointed a finger at her forehead and said, Jake's a total mathematical genius. One hour at 20 miles per hour. Right away, he figures out that's 20 miles. Jake laughed. That's about all the math I can do. Actually, we're moving about 18 miles per hour, Tobias said. We all just stared at him. I fly along roads sometimes and watch the car's speedometers, so I have a pretty good idea how fast I'm flying. When we were flying alongside the ship, I clocked it. Okay, 18 miles an hour, more or less, straight south, Marco considered. That puts us within a couple of miles of where Cassie thinks we should go. I winced. Every time anyone said something about me deciding where to go or what to do, it made me nervous. I'd better head back. Tobias said regretfully. I don't want to try and fly 18 miles back without a rest, and if I stay on the ship, I'll end up in Singapore. Singapore? Rachel asked. Yeah, I read the captain's log as we were flying alongside. That's where they're headed.
Tobias flew off, leaving us the little watch. It was extremely dull waiting for an hour, with nothing to do but try and guess what was in the big containers all around us. On the other hand, we knew what we had to do next would definitely not be boring. So basically, we were happy to just be bored for a while, huddling together to stay warm in the whipping ocean breeze. Chapter 16 After a long time, Jake checked the watch. It's been about an hour. Cassie, what do you think? I don't know, I admitted. I... I guess I was hoping that when I was back in Dolphin Morph, I'd be able to make more sense of the details the whale communicated to me. It was mostly images, and some of the images were about sounds and currents and water temperatures and stuff you can't see from the surface. Jake thought for a moment. Oh, well, now is as good a time as any, I guess. Let's head for the side. We stood up, uncramping our cold, stiff legs and arms. We moved along the row of containers toward the left side of the ship, the port side, as they say. We reached the side. There was a solid steel railing that ran all around, about waist high. Jake checked to see if we would be in view of the bridge, and we headed forward a little more to a blind spot where no one should see us. The four of us leaned over the rail and looked down at the water. It looked like it was a million miles below. Marco whistled. Man, that is some high dive. No big deal for a seagull or dolphin, but a mighty long way for a human, I agreed. We can't morph up here. We never get our dolphin bodies over the side, Rachel pointed out. Nope, Jake agreed. We have to jump in with our human bodies. All except Marco. He can't swim. I thought he could morph up here, and then we could all shove him over the side. Rachel looked skeptical. Jake? When Marco is in Dolphin Morph, he'll weigh like 400 pounds. Jake looked worried. I kind of didn't think about this when I was planning. I had a sinking feeling. The plan was falling apart before it had to even begin. I'll lean against the railing, Marco suggested. I'll start morphing, then, before I lose my legs, you guys help shove me over. I'll finish morphing within a few seconds of hitting the water. Unless the water knocks you out and you just sink, I said flatly. Forget it. Forget it. Let's just morph back to seagulls and fly home. This is insane. Insane? Marco echoed. Hey, that's my word. Look, we came this far. I don't care, I yelled, surprised at my own passion. I'm not going to be responsible for anyone dying. This isn't going to work. I don't know where I am. I don't know where we're going. I don't know what to do. Marco laughed. Excellent pep talk, Cassie. Now I'm really looking forward to this. I was going to yell at him, something like, Look, Marco, this is not a joke. But when I looked at him, I saw his face was bulging way out, forming a long, grinning beak. He had already started to morph. I'm not long to... He started to say, but his mouth no longer worked. He was growing larger, straining his weak human legs with his weight. His arms were flattening into flippers. No, Jake said. He grabbed Marco's flipper arm. Rachel and I jumped forward and seized his legs as they began to shrivel. Heave, Jake yelled. Marco, half human, half dolphin, tumbled backwards over the railing and fell into the sea. 
Let's go, Jake said. Yeehaw, Rachel said with a wild grin. She jumped up on the railing, balancing for a moment like the gymnast she was, then launched herself off in a neat swan dive. Jake and I exchanged a glance. Rachel, he said, rolling his eyes. She's your cousin, I pointed out. On the count of three. One, two. Ah! I climbed over the railing and launched myself as far from the steel wall of the ship as I could. Ah! I fell for what seemed like a very long time. Palouche! I hit the water feet first and plowed beneath the surface in a pillar of bubbles. The cold shocked me. The water was like ice. And just a few feet away was the intimidating steel wall of the tanker, sliding past at what felt like incredible speed. I kicked my feet and began to rise to the surface. I've been a swimmer since I was little, but it frightened me, being this far out in water, this deep. This wasn't a pool or a pond. This was the ocean, twenty miles from land. I broke the surface and gasped a lungful of air and a mouthful of salt water. What had looked like a little choppiness from up in the ship felt like towering waves down here. I couldn't see any of the others. All I could see was the side of the ship. Come on, Cassie, I told myself. Morph. Do it. This is no place for a person. There is just about nothing as helpless as a human being in the ocean. Without my ability to morph, I would not have lasted an hour. I felt the changes begin as I focused on morphing. At first, I thought it would kill me. I soon had most of the weight of a dolphin, with nothing but my human feet paddling to keep my head above water. My arms had already become flippers. A wave washed over me, leaving me spluttering from my mouth and my blowhole at the same time. I realized I could no longer keep my head above water. I took a deep lungful and let myself sink. As my eyes went from human to dolphin, my underwater vision improved. I could see other figures kicking and writhing in the water around me. Jake, half changed. Rachel, almost complete. Marco, with a dolphin grin, looking amused. Then, with a kick of my newly completed tail, I knew I was safe. I had made the change. I was a dolphin in a dolphin's world. The human clumsiness, the human cold, the human fear of an alien environment, all evaporated. I was warm and in control and right where I should be. Everyone okay? One by one they answered. We had made it. Too bad this was just the easy part of the mission. Well, that was fun, Marco said sardonically. Let's never do it again. Cassie? Jake prodded me. I tried to relax, to let my human mind recede just a little. I needed to listen to the dolphin instincts. I needed to understand the whale's instructions. Something no human could ever do. Not far, I said. We're just a few, um, forget it, there's no words for it. Just believe me, we're close. After you, Cassie, Jake said. It felt strange taking the lead, but only I knew the way. We traveled near the surface for a while. This made things confusing for me, because whales go deeper, and the world the whale saw and knew was a deeper world than I, as a dolphin, experienced. And yet, I knew I was going in the right direction. My echolocating clicks painted murky, half-understood pictures in my mind of underwater hills and valleys and rifts. I felt currents tugging at me, 
I sensed changes in water temperature. In the end, I just knew. Okay, everyone get a good lungful, I said. We surfaced, blew out the stale air, and filled our lungs with the good clean ocean air. Hey, what's that? It was Rachel. What? I asked her. Over there, it's a helicopter. We all watched as a helicopter flew low and very slowly over the water. It was just a few hundred yards away, and with our dolphin vision, we couldn't see it as well as we might have with our human eyes. But as it flew closer, I could see that it was dragging a cable through the water. Some sort of sensor, Jake speculated. They are looking for something in the water, Marco agreed. It's them, I said. No one argued. We all knew it was true. Controllers were flying that helicopter. The Yurks were here. Hey, Phantomorphs. Thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. It's your host, Daniel. Uh, sorry if the my voice sounded a little weird this week. Uh, I had kind of a sore throat for most of the week while I was recording, uh, so I did my best. Uh... Also, Axe is coming in the next chapter, so I am working on trying to figure out a voice for him. I I got something. I don't know if it's something I'm going to keep. Um, again, I don't really have a super large vocal range, but uh, we'll play by ear. It might change in the future, as you know, some of the other voices did, as I kind of figured that out as I went along. So I hope you'll be patient with me as as we explore this space together, just you and me. If you liked what you heard today, you can visit audiomorphs.podbean.com to hear more, or search Audiomorphs on iTunes. And while you're on iTunes, you can write a review or give us a rating or subscribe. If you want to reach out to me, send me your thoughts or your feelings or maybe a nice picture you drew, you can do that at audiomorphscast.tumblr.com and audiomorphscast at gmail.com. That's all I have for you this week, so I will see you next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>